I know I love it, and I'm 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 sad that there's not more. That's what I'll say. Because yeah. even when we were doing Pandora, I was like, we need Streetmosphere, like a different name for it. But we need something to make this place even more immersive. Sadly, we didn't get... Well, we got one little bit of something, but... I wanted, like, citizens of Pandora to be walking around. <laughs> and, and and to be honest, like, the general manager wanted it, too. It's just, you know, money and politics came in and... Money's always the thing with Streetmosphere. Right. Um, And it's hard because Streetmosphere is one of the most powerful things, I think, for creating magic. But it's one of the most difficult things to justify to the accounting department. Yeah. Because there's there's just so little little trackable data. Mm. But talk to anybody that's had a a magic moment with – in Streetmosphere – and and sometimes it's like a life changing moment for people, right? Yeah. Um, or or a or a trip making thing that happened because that performer or that show or whatever it is that little thing that's happening is so close and so authentic and so real. It's super powerful, but it's it's very hard to justify to people who are looking at numbers because you can't even count audience size. I will I will never forget every moment that I have been stopped by that cop on the street at Hollywood Studios. It's like my favorite memories and I, that's why I love them so much. Just and it's like those cool moments where you just like you happen to be walking down the street and you're like, "Oh, what's going on up here?" and then there's like a whole show happening that doesn't feel like a show. You know, it's really cool. Right. And meanwhile, I'm running by cuz I'm like, "Ha. All these fools watching this show." <laughs> I'm going to run to Tower of Terror and have no weight. What's wrong with you? You're a disgrace. (laughs) But but in that way, it's a service to everybody. Exactly. Everybody wins. (laughs) You know? It absolutely is. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Streetmosphere for everyone else to enjoy. I think that's probably how I'm going to come down. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. Well, wait. I want to acknowledge something here. There's a different voice on the podcast. Right. Wow. I guess we, we we still didn't even do an intro. We just, like, jumped right <laughs> into started it. started talking. Yeah. Well, I'm Molly. I'm Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ashby. And there's someone else. Who are you? And I'm I'm Jared. Hi, Jared. Hello, Jared. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to podcast. You're all clear. Beep, beep. Welcome aboard. Please keep all hands, arms, legs, and feet inside at all times. Podcast, you are all clear. <laughs> I think we owe it to the audience um, to tell them who you are and kind of what your connection to theme parks are, probably specifically Disney, or I don't know, maybe you can fill us in on some other things. And then what are you excited about Streetmosphere? Why why does this get you excited? Okay, well, I will try and keep this as compact as possible. Um, Not necessary. <clears throat> oh, okay. Well, right. your time's up, so that already <laughs> Great. took too long. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been real. So I, I was actually thinking about this right before I got on the call here, and my my life has almost entirely revolved around theme parks. So, like, my first summer job was as a character performer at Hershey Park, which is the theme park that's in my backyard. I love Hershey right Park. I used to go there a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful park. It's an amazing place. And they just keep expanding it and doing amazing things there. So I started there in entertainment as a costume character. 
And then the summer before I went to college at University of the Arts, I worked as a singer-dancer at Dorney Park, just outside of Philadelphia. It's about 45 minutes northwest of Philadelphia Mm. in Allentown, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. if anybody knows where that is. So I was just in a, you know, sort of review show that was like, a you know, Dorney Park's a pretty small park, so the production values weren't crazy, but it was fun, and it was for a summer, and it was like a review pop music through the decades kind of show, you know, um, at an outdoor stage. And then for two summers while I was in college, I worked at Bush Gardens Williamsburg. I love that park. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it consistently it's consistently rated the most beautiful theme park like in the country, they they do an incredible job there with their landscaping and all of that stuff. And uh, so I worked for two summers there singing with the Starlight Orchestra, which isn't there anymore. <gasps> I, I remember yeah, that. But that was a live big band on stage with four singers. And we had two different shows that we did during the week. And then on Saturdays, we would do a like two hour old school style show where the band would just play and we'd kind of make up the set list as we went along and they'd clear space in front of the stage so people could dance under the stars. Um, so that was a really amazing rare gig. And then what was, where was the venue for that? That was in the Italian pavilion. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure what's there now. I know Starlight Orchestra isn't there again. Very unfortunate. It's expensive to pay live musicians. There was a 15 piece big band, on stage um and worth everyth- it. everything oh, i know oh my gosh <laughs> so rare and the sound that you get from from uh, live musicians is incredible especially a big band um so that was really special and then after i graduated from college in november of 2006 i was actually i actually auditioned for disney cruise line mm. i didn't get it but they liked me and sent my stuff on over to the people at the at Walt Disney World at Animal Kingdom because they had an immediate need for a replacement for a Nakawa at Festival of the Lion King. Oh, beautiful. And that was it. That was I came in. They uh, it was amazing. I felt like a rock star. You know, they paid to move me across the country. And then that was it. And then I was on a 14 month contract and. So I did that for two years, and then I was a Dapper Dan for three years, which is yes. my direct connection to Streetmosphere. Um, I was a sub-host at the American Idol Experience. Uh, f- okay, wow. We are starstruck. Huge fans of American Idol Experience mm-hmm. on this pod. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. The- are you tired of the climb by Miley Cyrus? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. There were certain songs that would just always come up, and that was one of them. So that I did that. I sang with the Voices of Liberty uh, candlelight. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. Thing. I was a storyteller around the world for Christmas, playing Balthazar in the uh, Mexican Pavilion one year. Wow. Um, and then I spent four years in Tokyo singing at Big Band Beat in Tokyo Disney Sea. Oh, wow. So that's the extremely condensed version of my relationship to theme parks. I am blown away by this resume. Well, yeah. I love that, like, everything he's mentioned, I'm like, oh, I love every it's single one of those things. Yeah, like, every <laughs> single thing he's done. Not even just Disney. Even before that, I'm like, oh, I love everything you've done. Oh, thanks. I have one question about it, though. Sure. When you say you were, like, a costume character at Hershey Park, does that mean, like, a Hershey kiss? Yeah, so, um, cool. yeah, I was, you know, a, a <laughs> oh range God. of anthropomorphized 
chocolate Brilliant. food. <laughs> Reese's. Which one was like the best roll to yeah. have? Yeah. Oh man. I okay. So was there a candy that was like? Mm, no, yeah. No there were. Oh yeah. Of course. <clears throat> Excuse me. There were. Um, so I think one of the best ones was the Hershey syrup. Oh my um, god. Yeah. Because <laughs> the costume was really comfortable, and he had like he was kind of a cool looking character. I think he had sunglasses on, mm-hmm. and so like people Ooh, yeah. really like cool. you know like people really liked him, and he you could get away with a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of hijinks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the worst was the Twizzler. Uh, oh, oh my God! Twizzler. Yes, because that <laughs> costume is a giant rubber thing that you're Ugh. wearing. Is it like Twizzler in the package? Yeah, it's like a bag. It's Twizzler. a bag of Twizzlers. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't even. And not. I mean, up against like chocolate twizzlers also just are less appealing sure right i mean and and people you know people even still are shocked at the catalog of hershey foods products hershey foods owns a ton of things and so there would be people wouldn't even know that twizzlers was a hershey food product (laughs) right right, what's that doing here yes and you know my standing joke being a musician and coming from a family of classical musicians was that my favorite character do was the symphony bar which oh my gosh! Which oh. is a bar that I don't even know if it exists anymore or if it is. It's in very limited uh, release, sure. but it was like a smooth. I forget what set it apart. Why they called it a symphony bar? But it was. I mean, it was a basic chocolate bar, but it had something extra. You know, something that made fancy it <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, okay, so I have to ask because I always love like the the crossing paths thing. Mm-hmm. So when you came to Animal Kingdom and. Was that Festival of the Lion King? What time frame was that? Do you remember? So that I came in November of 2006. That's when I started. And then when did you leave there? And then I stayed there for a year till 2007. So all the way through 2007. So it would have been in the middle of 2008 that I left there full time. I was still a sub. Got it. Okay, so that would have been a, a little bit of a crossover because I was there all of 2008. Okay, so yeah, well, definitely then. That's uh, best awesome. year of your life, Ashby. Yeah, I know. Oh, it was one of my favorite locations to ever work. Not only because it was like my first, because that was my first leadership position mm. at Disney, but it was so fun. Oh God, just and you met. Oh me. right, and Molly. Right, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Molly. Yeah, yeah. You're you you fit in there somewhere. I, I was the world's best camp counselor. I, I won. You were I won a fantastic. Every year. Yeah, you were a fantastic camp mm-hmm. counselor. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I would say that that show still to this day is is one of the highlights. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff with Disney. I didn't even mention I just got off of a Disney Cruise Line contract. That's the latest thing I've done. Oh, but, oh, but I'm like, done. I'm done. But like, <laughs> um, that show I didn't, and it was it was crazy because it was my first Disney show. It's my first. Uh, contract and so it was like I it's like I've grown to appreciate it more the the yeah. longer I've been away from it not that anything it's not like a negative comparison it's just like that is such an incredible place to work and it's such an incredible show and I mean you know you don't need any more testament to that fact than than the fact that they moved the theater right <laughs> right to keep it around right. you know yep. there have been many a beloved Disney show that when they go well we need the space the show just goes away you're out. Yeah. You know? Did you ever did you ever go back and sub when in the new theater? Oh uh, no, I was long gone after long that. After I had, that. I had been yeah. I was in Japan at that point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Whew. Well, I mean, I think we've definitely picked a good topic to go over that yeah. based uh-huh. on 
based on who we have in the room. Um, so today we're going to talk about um, the carousel. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur's carousel. So today no, we're going to talk wait. about ride mechanics. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes. We're going to talk about um, bathrooms again because we have right, more to right. say. Part right, two. Um, no, we're talking about Streetmosphere, which is the it's the seemingly kind of sporadic or unofficial entertainment that goes on in the street in Disney parks, but it is a fully fledged, like organized, scripted. I guess we can discuss that of how much is improvised and how much is script. But yeah, I mean, you may not know it by its name but you've definitely interacted with disney street atmosphere and molly is it is it um just from like a terminology standpoint because i've heard different things i've heard street atmosphere i've heard atmosphere entertainment like is is street atmosphere like the disney term for all parks or is it based upon each park has a different name for it because i'm not sure to be honest with you Good question. So uh, the idea, I don't know if it's like a Disney unique thing necessarily, but if Mm -hmm. you go on Disney World's website and you sort entertainment by different types, Streetmosphere is one of them. So it definitely Mm. is a officially used term. I agree with you. I've I've heard several versions of this, but they they do kind of latch on to that term as far as um, like guest facing. They would use the term Mm -hmm, Um, mm Streetmosphere. I think it was probably or the most um when you think of streetmosphere whatever i could find online for some um history is most linked to the citizens of hollywood Mm, makes sense and there were like 50 different character names um of different actors that have played these different roles throughout the years and have become quite famous like people you know, especially like annual pass holders would come back year after year, month after month, trip after trip and seek out certain citizens of Hollywood just to be, you know, check in on them or do kind of their (laughs) little bit. Um, Yeah, they're quite famous. I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Streetmosphere. I can't say I've watched, it's like stopped and watched a ton. I appreciate it for what it does to disperse crowds mostly, (laughs) but I even recognize certain people. They've been around forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably 30 years for a lot of them so right, pretty interesting right. my favorite memories are those days where it's just it's like one of those nice dry florida days maybe in the early spring that you're just visiting the park on a non-busy time and it's like it's because it feels more real because it's like as the streetmosphere is doing their thing it's not the big crowd it's a nice it's a healthy crowd but it just it feel it that those are my favorite times because it just feels more real to what's going on. A lot of theme parks um, have this sort of inner like uh, atmosphere entertainment. But something that why why Disney's kind of the big baddie in this business is because um, I think people would people call they call it magic, right? But there's this like lived in kind of buzz when you walk through the park. It's like you can feel it. It's a real thing, and I think streetmosphere has so much to do with this. If you think about where mm-hmm. a lot of streetmosphere takes place, it's going to be in those main corridors leading up to your weenies, right? You you have to like pass through streetmosphere to get to other areas of the park and so it can it's like alive, you can feel it. So, I like it. Mm-hmm. Sh- Cheryl, what's your take? Um, on streetmosphere. I'm very much of the same vein as you where it's I appreciate them so much because I can continue to go down the street and they will like stop anybody that like 
would get in my way. Sure. It's like yeah. a very good catch-all, you know? Yeah. Like, when those gates open and you're flooding forward, it's like the street atmosphere steps out and is like, hey, how can I help you? And mm-hmm. you're like, no, I'm going. And they're like, great. And then some family's <laughs> like, this is amazing. But I'll tell you, there have been some times where I'll just be bumming it, like, on sunset or something. and like, Wait, what does bumming it on sunset <laughs> mean? <laughs> <laughs> paint paint okay. me a picture. Okay, so, I mean, everyone knows I'm a local, and if you've grown up, like, just being an annual pass holder, sometimes you are you're you don't go to the parks for any reason than to, like, get oh. out of the house. Okay. And so, you know, it's a nice day, you're sitting on a bench somewhere. Got it. And then, all of us, out of nowhere, these jabronis come out, and they just start <laughs> casting calling people. It's, like, fun to watch. It's fun to watch how they interact with other humans, yeah. and especially, like, and that's one thing I'm really excited that we have Jared on, is how, what is it like interacting with humans because I'm sure you're like oh great we have this like joke that we usually tell do you ever have it go just completely wrong because sometimes I watch it and I'm like I see where they're going (laughs) and then Bob from New Hampshire is like I don't get this and they say like (laughs) something you don't even understand yeah yeah I mean so it goes wrong a lot goes wrong That's a lot. so great to hear. <laughs> but what what you learn, the the thing that you learn, and I, I had such an incredible opportunity to learn from some of the best in the industry. Some of the guys I worked with in the Dapper Dans are literally world-class live improvisational performers. And, and what you learn is how to recover with style. Yeah. So, hmm. so because you can't predict what the audience is going to throw at you, <laughs> you can't, you, you can't, I mean, most of the time there's a flow and most of the time the show goes a certain way. And, and most of the time, this is the joke that, that gets people to laugh, but there is always going to be some random person hecklers, uh, not, I never had to deal with anything <laughs> severe as far as heckling, but you know, people kind of try and rib you or, you know, they kind of try and take over the show a little bit uh, or just, you know, with the Dapper Dans, we would very often because, again, you don't have a stage, but we had like a little show that we would actually do. There were times where we, would, we had two different types of sets. We would do what's called a strolling set, which is literally what it sounds like, where we would just literally wander around. We'd find a nice corner and we'd sing a song or two. And then we'd move on and wander around and find another nice little corner and sing a song or two there and so on and so forth. Then there was a different set that was like we would call it a show set where we're going to plan ourselves in one place and we're going to do a moderately planned sort of show, and but, but it's in one place. But the thing is, we don't have a stage. So I can't tell you how many times we would be in the midst of something with a decent-sized crowd and someone would just literally walk <laughs> right uh. by us in between us and the rest of the audience perfect almost completely oblivious it happens all the time and and it's not like most of the time people are not being rude they're at disney world and they're just like you know in a trance or they're or they're trying to get somewhere they're trying to get their fast pass or or whatever uh but they end up literally walking through our makeshift stage and you learn then you have sort of a rolodex then that builds up of different responses that you have for when because, like, that would happen all the time. So there would be certain things that we could then do that would be funny, that would, mm-hmm. you know, 
diffuse the tension if something, you know, happened. You know, one of my favorite things to do, my position in the quartet as a baritone, I was usually always standing on the end of the quartet. And depending on uh, which direction the person walking through would be going, one of the funniest things to do is to just simply start following them. <laughs> I just walk away from the group and start following them down the street. And, it, you know, <laughs> as I'm singing, in the middle of the song, you just break the choreography and just start following this random person down the street and smiling. And, like, you're not making fun of them. You just start following them. Um, and so, like, I've that's, seen that happen. That's exactly. amazing. Well, and that's, like, that. like, that's one of those things where it's, like, how do you deal with this? Because if you don't do anything, it's kind of weird. Right. <laughs> and And if you do too much, it's kind of weird. So, mm-hmm. like... What are some things that you can do, address it, and fit it into the show and make it funny? And, you know, so you, you learn, you have sort of a catalog that builds of different responses, which is why sometimes you see something that looks so random and, like, the, the performers are doing this amazing sort of quote-unquote improvisatory thing based off of some random thing that a guest said or did. A lot of times... Not all the time. Sometimes it really is just a brilliant moment of improvisation. But a lot of times when it looks really good, it's because that performer saw that situation coming and already had a response ready to go. And they know how to deliver it in a way that is very authentic. And it's great. And and as a performer, it's cool because it gives you something. It's like a challenge that exists that's really fun, that you're kind of waiting for it. And it's almost, it almost gets a little competitive, you know. It's almost kind of fun to see who can do the best sort of recovery or the best response or whatever if you have the opportunity. So anyway, I, I loved that aspect of it. But that being said, there are times where you try something and it just goes completely flat <laughs> and it's just awkward and that's the way it is. And, and you know, the, the way you get out of that is you just kind of laugh it off and... Uh, smile and and move on but there are some really really awkward moments that happen and you just learn from them you know i i i love uh i'll share my little secret here like i love listening to you talking about this like i'm just i'm getting so giddy and excited about just from the beginning when you talked about your path and your (laughs) the things that you've done uh just (laughs) right (laughs) because I don't know if you know, I don't know if Molly shared any of this with you before I got on the call, but my path has been the opposite. Mm. Like I wanted to, I wanted to do theater and I wanted to do um, that industry when I came out of college and I was just too chicken to do it. Mm. (laughs) And so I went down the route of business and I got into Disney from a, from an operations standpoint and then kind of but always had my eye watching entertainment. It was always something that I was like, oh, I just love what they do. And there'd be those things that I would see that I would be like, oh, I, if, if only I had taken a different path or I had the guts to mm. step away from what I was doing, I would just, I would pursue that. Dapper Dance is not one of those things because I can't, I can't, I can sing, but forget what you guys do. It's amazing. I love it. It's yeah. Tap dancing, <laughs> ta- playing chimes. The talent that you guys have is, is amazing. But where I'm going with that is like I just love to hear about the things that I just wish I could have done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Well, and um, you know, I'll say this, it's never too late, you know. Well, uh, funny enough, I I left Disney a couple years ago to move to LA. <laughs> ah. Uh to follow something that I had always dreamed of doing. So now I've been slowly getting into the world of uh entertainment and and that sort of thing. 
but I always look back and go, man, and, and who knows, you know, right. maybe one day I'll end up back at Disney and I, I can jump into an entertainment side of things. But Jaminator, uh, I'm uh, thinking. <laughs> no, Streetmosphere is what I've always had my eye on. Just really? Be, mm. Being a, a, a performer, the I love the improv side of things, yeah. but don't ask me to sing. That's just not going to, that's going to go over terribly. <laughs> you Would you be a citizen of, Main Street or Citizen of Hollywood? Oh, I would. That would be my my dream. That's been my dream job uh, when I look at entertainment. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. And it was crazy for me because it was just something I fell into. And even, you know, it was like, because, you know, they have internal auditions for stuff mm-hmm. at Disney. So I was happy at the Lion King, uh, Festival of the Lion King. And, and uh, but, you know, they had a call. So I, I think someone actually encouraged me to go. One of the managers encouraged me to to go and i was like oh all right well check it out i don't really have anything to lose and it it happened and you know another little tidbit is i was the first african-american dapper dan in walt disney world history and and now i i see pretty much as i look back on the cast that have been there since there's almost always consistently at least one so right um so but i was the first one and that was in like That's 2008 crazy. or whatever. I mean, it was. crazy oh, that man. it took that long. Right. Also, kind of a cool moment yeah. for you to be able to like jump yeah. in and you know represent. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing like. Yeah, agreed. It's like disheartenly slow. Yeah. To to bring some diversity into Main Street for God's sakes, but and amazing y- that that's something you get to hold on. Yeah, to. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean the world of barbershop is 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 quite. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> generally lacking in diversity, but cool. but it's it, that in that side of it too is a whole other thing related to that specific group and that specific streetmosphere thing is that I had no idea about the world of barbershop, mm-hmm. none. I had no clue. I had no clue that I was stepping into a dream job for barbershoppers the world over. Wow. When I stepped yeah. into that, and it was like my introduction to barbershop was being a Dapper Dan, and <laughs> right, you're like I'm stepping into something that people strive to get into. Oh my god, in this world, <laughs> and so then it was like through the process of that, I got I actually then went on and sang in a competitive barbershop chorus for a season, oh, and nice. was in that world and. All of that to say, the barbershop world is a very friendly and welcoming world. It's mm-hmm. just that. You know, for whatever reason, it's not really a world where there's a whole lot of color or, or, you know, uh, but but oh, my gosh, the 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 passion and the enthusiasm for music and just singing together. It's a it's an amazing sort of subculture that's out there. And if you if you don't know about it, I just highly recommend that anyone just go on YouTube and look up champion barbershop quartets. And uh, listen to those amazing. guys sing, uh, because it'll blow you away. You even if you're not super into the genre, the music, just watch one or two videos to hear how far that style of music can go. Because and you might not even know that there are competitions and they're huge, international competitions for singing barbershop, and the the quartets that make it into the top ten, they just they're unreal. In, in how they sound and, and all of that stuff. That's so amazing. I'm kind of I'm kind of geeking out because I've always loved even such, when I was a kid because my grandfather has been a big influence on me of the music that I listen to. Mm. 
So I grew up on like oldies. And then what kind of sparked the the love of uh, quartets actually came from he, he was a huge fan of like old old school gospel music. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of quartets yep. and, and things in that mm. genre. But that opened up this world of like, oh, wait, you four people that get together and sing. And then I started to hear about like I could hear music from barbershop quartets. And it was just a I don't know. It, to me, this is just such a cool moment because it's like the music that I love. <laughs> I I geek out and I've actually I've I've gone on YouTube and watched some of the competitions of mm-hmm. barbershop quartets. And more recently, I actually watched one about two weeks ago. I think it was. I was I was riding my my little exercise bike, and I was like, "Oh, let me see what I can." Because I always listen to music or watch yeah. something. And I pulled up a quartet. They were doing music from like across the the times, but as a barbershop quartet. Yeah. I can't remember how exactly did it was titled. It, did, was the quartet called Main Street? I think yeah 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 yeah. yeah so I think it was. All of yeah. those guys are either current or former Dapper Dan's. What? Which is so why amazing. their quartet is called Main Street, and oh, that's cute. they sometimes tap dance in their routines, and they are actually, well, maybe they're, now a year has gone by, but they were the reigning world champion quartet ah. for 2019, I think. That's so cool. Um, and I've worked with all of those guys, and uh, the, the guy who sings lead in that quartet is named Tony DeRosa. He is the director of the Dapper Dans, he's the director of the Voices of Liberty, and wow. he is a world-class singer and a world-class director, which are two different skill sets. But um, wow. anyway, you know, that's... So what, cool. I, what I will say, the reason I brought that one up was because there was a moment of a little uncomfortableness for me when I was watching because they got to a point where they were, they were going to sing... Uh, or, uh, no, I think they were going to do like a rap song or something. Mm. And they were like, oh, but we – some some kind of joke about, like, we can't do that justice, so let's bring <laughs> out some other person. And it wasn't – it was this – and maybe he's a famous barbershop mm. quartet guy, but it was this skinny white kid that comes right. out. And I was like, wait, huh? I was so confused. It was and probably, I was also like, there are a lot of inside jokes in the barbershop world, and it right. was probably just an inside joke. Uh, I know. was like, I'm not deep enough into this environment to yeah. understand what's going on here, but – it was a weird <laughs> but it did make me also think about kind of what you were addressing of like that that world of barbershop quartet i was like oh right i guess it is predominantly uh, a a white guy that you see in these which, roles which so. is interesting because the history of that music was actually uh, like many things a, a a black culture thing um, mm. singing in barbershops old school sure. black barbershops right but <laughs> But it, you know, it transitioned and it became this thing that's that's sort of uh, dominated by Caucasians. But yeah. it's still a wonderful art form, and the community is very wonderful and very welcoming. And and uh, anyway, I, I well, that's and that's what I like to hear. That's what I love to hear that you've said is like how welcoming the community yeah. is, and it is. It, I'm sure it's filled with open-minded people. It's just well, for some it's, reason, it's a it's a it's a it's a musical art form. So, of course, mm. it attracts open-minded, uh, you know, yeah, light-hearted uh, people. So it's just it's just one of those things where, you know, it's just sort of really white. <laughs> but the, <laughs> but I, I, I never, I never felt uncomfortable or weird or anything amongst uh, when I was at the competitions or when I go to shows, ever. 
it's it's a great crowd, and I highly recommend people get into it because it's it's That's a really awesome. fun genre of music to listen to, and it's just incredible. It's just four voices. It's four human voices, you know. So and it fit like it fills like it's yeah. crazy how much like. Yeah. It just fills a space, yeah, no matter how large or small it is. We can it's really nerd out and talk sound. about the science of why that is, but you know, this is turning into a barbershop <laughs> podcast and not a street atmosphere podcast. But. All right, catch us, uh, catch us on the Ashby and Jared podcast that's <laughs> yeah, coming right. up. Uh, Subscribe. <laughs> it's all for the the science of voice. I'm like genuinely fascinated. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so I, I mean, so many questions about though, like Main Street Dapper Dan mm-hmm. stuff. Um. Who, in your experience, Jared, was the the best person to perform for? Is it, for example, is it the little kid who's going to, like, start dancing? Um, mm. Or is it the, like, older the Ashby, lady? The or, guy that... Or Ashby. <laughs> <laughs> or is it, like, you know, the vlogger with the camera? Or, or Cheryl, who's sitting 16 feet away <laughs> on a bench? Just- with her sunglasses on and a drink, just watching. Yeah, she kind of looks like she's like undercover. <laughs> it's it's really. Wait, can we can we all take a guess real quick? Can can me, Molly, and Cheryl like take our guess of who we think is the yeah. best, and then you can you can go into okay. Tell us how we're wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I vote little kid, like the dancer. Okay. I vote old lady who's like <laughs> oh, I love this. I was you took mine, Molly. I was gonna say it was like the older lady who's like. She's Snapping. like, this is this is I this is my music. I love it. It's the time. <laughs> Look at these handsome fellows. She's like tapping her foot, ready to dance a jig. Mm-hmm. Are we all wrong? Well, <laughs> I think the thing is like that's it's such a hard question to answer because each one of those things is really special on its own. Um, I can say, I I think the people who really appreciate it are obviously. Anybody who's really into something that you're doing as a performer is going to be your best audience member. Yeah. So, like, yeah, sometimes the, the, the dancing kids are cute, but sometimes they're also, like, a distraction for people. Or sometimes, mm-hmm. like, it's even a safety thing because we have those, you know, mm-hmm. you've seen those <laughs> chimes that we play. Oh, and yeah, when we're not right. playing them, we set them on the street and they inter- they kind of interlock together and they're, they're these big spiky things that stick up. And if there's a kid... <laughs> dancing around it's like oh you know you get oh, nervous yeah. not for the chimes but for the kid they could you know they could get hurt if they fell so the they're cute it's fair. <laughs> uh, the, the kids are cute and there's some really wonderful moments that can happen especially if you have a genuine interaction with a with a kid and that's the thing is a genuine interaction i barbershop music for me is one of those things where I've, i feel like even the people like Cheryl and Molly, who are just interested in walking by, <laughs> which is okay. I, I don't have any problem with that. Every that that's one of the wonderful things about Disney World and Disney in general is that there's something for everybody, and not everything is for everybody. So mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. But I, it's rare when people come around a corner, and even if they're booking it, that they hear barbershop music and they don't smile. At least, mm, so uh-huh. true. Yeah. It's really hard not to smile at barbershop music. There's just something about it. It makes you smile, and so like I would even appreciate that because you get pretty good at watching the crowd after you did. I did. Oh my goodness, I think close to three thousand performances with the Dapper Dance. Ooh, good what? lord! And so, so you start to learn how to watch a crowd, and you you kind of get to the point where you can see everybody and everything that's going on all the time, and you see those people walking by. 
and you see the people that are really engaged and you see the kids and even the people that walk by, if they just smile, that's worth it. That's that's something. Um, another really special moment that, again, is specific to the Dapper Dans because of the barbershop world is uh, there is a barbershop society. It's a club. Oh, my God. How do I get in? The underground barbershop society. With their little jokes about rapping barbers. Right. Well, and and amongst people in this club, there are a set of, I mean, there's a large list, but there's about a set of of 15 songs that every barbershopper knows. Period. Hmm. And we would have people that would come up to us after our set is over who were in the Barbershop Harmony Society and ask to sing one of these songs. They're called Polecats. And they would step in on on their voice part, whatever it was. So the guy who they were replacing would step out and we'd get to sing a barbershop tune with a guest on the street. And it's amazing. And it it means the world to them. The world to them to sing with the Dapper Dans and they get, you know, they can get their videos and they can, you know, and it's just the, it's this really cool thing that's very much sort of like, like a very harmless secret society thing where it's like every barbershopper in the world knows these, at least these 15 songs. And so it happened to me when I was in Japan where I went to a barbershop show in Japan and I was able to sit with people who we didn't speak a word of each other's language and yet we could sit together and sing in four-part harmony instantly without practicing. Ugh, I'm getting goosebumps. We all know these songs. So that was a moment that we would create for people all the time with the Dapper That's Dance. So cool. And it's Ugh. it's a little bit of an extra thing. We have to go a little bit of the extra mile because it always happens after the set and we're tired mm, and it's really hot. Right. But it's right. always worth it. It's I was going to ask you, it. like, how does that work from a logistical standpoint of like – because I know that, like, for entertainment, there's always a set time that you're there, yep. and then if it goes over, there's, you know, there's little things that kick in. That's one of the things that you have to be flexible with when you're in Streetmosphere. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we are, we're union actors, and we're in equity, and blah, 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 and so there are all of these rules about how much we're allowed to work before we have to have right. a break and stuff. But when you're in Streetmosphere, you have to be flexible with that, because it's Disney, and you can never, you're never going to be rude to a guest, even if it's your break. Right. You can't. You know, I'm you sorry. Just, I can't be fun for you. Right. I got to go. I got to go on my break. You know, you can't. You just can't do that. So it's always worth it. You're you're right. creating one of those sure. lifetime yeah. memory things for both you and them, you know. So yeah. that's another Dapper Dan specific thing that, that happens. And those moments are pretty incredible. Also, we would get asked to do impromptu proposal things. Mm. All the time. Mm. So we would come and we, somebody, a guy would would tap us on the shoulder as we were leaving and he said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to propose to my girlfriend. Um, I'm going to do it at this time. Are you guys going to be around? Could you do a thing or could you do something right now? Right now. Can you go, go right now? And we, we do, we have a thing we can pull out of our pocket. We sing, uh, uh, you know, a dream is a wish your heart makes or any one of the romantic Disney ballads. And we'll just kind of show up and we'll sing this thing. And at the end of the song, the guy will propose that happened all the time. Ugh, oh, I love those moments. Yeah. Do you, so Molly, neat. were you around when we did that big proposal at Festival of the Lion King? I don't think so. I was that, at SeaWorld that day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite uh, 
moments that that was when I was talking earlier about like those cool moments Mm -hmm. where operations and entertainment kind of came together to do something. That was one of those cool moments that they worked with us. And it was so last minute because the guy was not prepared at all. He just came up and was like, hey, I want to propose to my wife. And we're like, okay, well, we have a show to start in about 15 minutes. (laughs) But uh, dudes, man. And we did it. I don't know if you want to hear the story. I don't know if this is like the moment to talk about it or not. I absolutely want to hear this. Okay, I'll I'll be as quick as I can because it's not streetmosphere related. But it was such a cool moment where um, the guy came up and he, he came to one of our cast members and said, I want to propose to my wife. You know, he wanted to do it like during the show, and we're like, uh, well, let's not. Yeah, you gotta figure that we're out. We're not. Ahead of we got we got some things to work out. So he's like, okay, well, I'll just do it before the show if that's okay. So I remember talking to the stage manager, and the stage manager was like, yeah, that's fine, no worries. Like, we just, as long as we get the show started on time, and we're like, we'll handle that part. Like, no worries. So it was the cutest thing. The guy, like, we what what happened was is we ended up doing we did the hand jive uh, thing that the cast members do beforehand. And when we got around to the section that the wife was sitting in, the guy came up in his wheelchair and he came over, like he came up to the the cast member and he had his little boy with him. And he did a little speech and the wife was sitting there on the bench and he did a little speech. And then he asked the wife to come up and he got out of his chair. Oh no. And on his knees... And it was it was like everybody was already dying. Oh. And then he grabs his little boy and the little boy takes off his like jacket or shirt or whatever. And he had a little shirt on that said, will you marry my daddy? Oh, and I thought I'm like I'm wiping away tears and I'm like looking at the clock at the same time. Like we got to start shooting. (laughs) The stage stage manager's like up in the booth, like pointing at his wrist like we got to go. And I'm like. I'm, it's a moment. We gotta, yeah. but it was the cutest thing in the world. That's I, amazing. I never forget it. Yeah, it was beautiful. I was at a Pocahontas and her forest friends probably during that time. Oh, that's right. I forgot we had that show going on too. Mm. I mean, the best show ever. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Oh, okay, I hated okay. It. That's not true. No, I did. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. It was awful. Now, that, oh. to be fair, I I loved all the performers who worked over there like everybody was all so cool but it was a tough show i mean it was a tough show to really well, that, get that was a great example of like you know just children everywhere yeah. and yeah and just like what is this about <laughs> and why do i have to keep cleaning up all these leaves it's so weird um <laughs> it was fun but yeah then you could you know if you were lucky then you got bumped over to lion king just you know <laughs> anyway, sidebar. So funny. that's a beautiful that's a beautiful story. Um, I I just jump back to Dapper Dan's though because I can't get enough. Honestly. Oh, keep going. Yeah, we could talk all day. I will say, I Jared, I one hundred percent agree though. Like, just the person walking by you can't help but smile at with the Dapper mm-hmm. Dan's. If talk about like atmospheric entertainment, right. um, you can enjoy Dapper Dan's. And not watch them at all. Right. Like you can truly just enjoy the experience where I think maybe some other streetmosphere, um, it's best enjoyed watching a little short improv by the citizens or whatever. Um, yes. Yeah. Dapper Dan's are unique in that way. And I, I will I mean, my favorite part of the um, routine is the tap dance, but that's in general. Like, yeah. <laughs> If someone's tap dancing, I'm, it's <laughs> you're in. You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. Right. Yes. I'm, I've now I'm into it. But yeah, I think. 
it's fantastic. I will also say, does this count as Streetmosphere? The like, um, the what's that called? The marching band? It's called That's something specific. Philharmon- yeah. Mag- yeah, Philharmonic. Do we That's think? It. Do we think that? Yeah, the Philharmonic. Do they count as Streetmosphere? I would say um, they do. I do too, and I I would say they you can enjoy them in a similar sure. way. You don't necessarily have to watch. Remember the Giggle Gang that used to be back in New Storybook Circus when it opened? No, up? Tell I'm sorry. Us I feel like well, I've heard that the name, but I don't know what it is. I think it was like. It sounds clowns. like it shouldn't be de- back there with children. Like that doesn't yeah, they, sound they appropriate. Came out in, like a golf <laughs> cart, and it was like clowns, and they had a shtick, and right. then they left. Right. Oh my god. There were clowns in the yeah. Magic Kingdom. Oh, that much I know. Whether they were called the Giggle Gang. No, or the Giggle not, Gang was, sure. is right because that's a name I've heard in the in the sort of behind the scenes world. That was the, that was a gang that the the Dapper Dance were like. Oh, <laughs> that was the a Giggle rival Gang. gang. Yeah. No, they got, uh-huh. they got too street hard and got locked up. <laughs> they used to be there for sure. That's uh. creepy. The other probably is this whole like graveyard of stri- retired streetmosphere where they're like, this is going to be awesome, yeah. but it didn't work out. The joke's on them. Yeah. Get, get giggle it. gang. The giggle gang. <laughs> oh my God. Poor giggle gang. Some of the other things that are still around, I know there's the um, banjo player, the, I don't know what they are, in Frontierland, there's like a, a three-part. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, there's the trio. They have, it's yeah. like the, the, the tuba and the banjo and the whatever else. And do they dance with the country bears? Is that what that is? No. Or what is that? There's like a dance party that happens. That's I've, the yeah, hoedown. I was going to say I've seen that before, yeah. That's just the hoedown. That's just a fun time for everyone. <laughs> Wait a second. Can we talk? I've, oh, I'm just now remembering one of the best streetmosphere things that has left. What is it? Do Molly, how do you? How are you not remembering and bringing I, this up? I don't know. I can't read your mind. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Guitar Dan. Oh, Guitar Dan is. I mean, how? Oh, yeah. So what? I have a complicated relationship with Guitar <laughs> wait, Dan. Okay. Wait, okay. Well, wait, it wait, sounds wait, like wait, there's wait. a story there. Hold on. There, there is a story. I was obsessed with him. I would laugh out loud crack because basically so what was his deal was he would come up to a he would walk up to a family he would roam Camp Minnie Mickey and just be like. Hello there. What's your name? Would you like me to sing you a song? And he would just Camp make Minnie up a Mickey song. Camp Mickey had street Yes. Yes. Guitar <laughs> Dan was, was the man. He was so talented. Just so, so, so talented. And he was, I'm sure, a very, and it was always, only ever one, Dan, his name is Dan. Just one. I guess. Yeah, the one guy. Um, His name was Rob, but his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But so, and I was like, I loved him. I thought he was brilliant and so funny. I would laugh out loud. I would get out of my outside position to be closer to him, to hear like all sorts of rules um, that I broke. And he's not, I don't want to make it sound like he was rude because he wasn't rude. But he, when he was like backstage, he didn't want to talk to me and there were several instances well molly you wouldn't leave him alone to be fair i was like good set with little little johnny and he was like i literally cannot handle you you weird you weirdo we would get complaints from the entertainment leaders about you molly that you oh i guarantee you guitar dan alone please (laughs) leave rob Um, alone rob well yeah no but he i mean i was a huge i say it's complicated because i always wanted us to be like good friends and (laughs) And we never were because that was weird. I think, isn't that the testimony from like most stalkers? Like, <laughs> yes, yes. I, I really wanted to be bad. his friend. I <laughs> sound bad right now. Um, but he was so, so, so talented. And well, I what, wonder. What made it talented, like what made it so cool to me was just he would 
make up a song on the spot. On the spot. It was always unique. For And it would be like, yeah, dedicated to like whatever that kid's name was or like the dad or wh- whoever. It was the coolest thing to watch the, him uh, was great. make up songs on the spot. That was so fun. So fun. That's cool. Cool costume. Oh, that's what my that's my retirement costume right there. Like I've already deemed it. You have several I'm, pieces of that. I'm costume already right. <laughs> the cargo pants and a <laughs> and his little hat. and his vest and Small his uh, Hawaiian shirt or whatever it was, mm-hmm. the jungle shirt. Now, does um, do you guys remember Animal Kingdom folks? Um, do you guys remember Divine? Does she count oh, as Streetmosphere? Yes, yes, hundred mm-hmm. percent. But she was a third party. Wow, ruining the magic here. <laughs> okay, a third wow. Party act, For those right? young listeners, close Sorry. your ears. <laughs> Are you, first of all young listeners and two second <laughs> listeners and three um third party i think we're safe <laughs> and you know that's also you know that's just how how some of that stuff works you know totally um, right 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 and she was a she was on like um stilts but both on her legs and okay her young arms. listeners here no i'm just kidding <laughs> just Who because divine you... wait oh. wait what Okay, again, reminder, Cheryl never goes I don't to Animal, animal Kingdom. Kingdom. That's true. She's not an Animal Kingdom, Kingdom goer. Yeah. It's too hot. So she was on those like stilts where you, you're kind of on all fours, basically, and she would... Um... Well, she had stilts on her hands, too. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. They're like canes. And so yeah. she kind of was all dressed and looked like a tree or like a, a vine, in fact. A vine, and, yeah. And she yeah. would hold very still, like up against a tree... And then move all like it was it was but she moved and it was like so very slow move slow yeah slow and mm-hmm. graceful. So she was like those statue things that like move yeah. every so often and scare the pants. Yeah, off. yeah, yeah. Similar but less like Vegasy. Like it was like You're very right. beautiful. I think they had those, and this gets into a whole other conversation. It's probably too long, but I think they had those one year at Horror Nights when they had it in oh, Islands God. of Adventure. I remember oh, there was guys. Yeah. It's terrifying. But yeah, I mean, essentially, Horror Nights is just nonstop street atmosphere in a very budget that's, sense. Yeah, yeah right? that's, that's true. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> we should do street atmosphere part two for Halloween this year, and it should be just oh for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. So another one of my interesting little jaunts into theme park entertainment and whatever. There's a there's an entity here called Chocolate World, and I call it an entity because a lot of people think it's part of Hershey Park. It's immediately next to Hershey Park, and it literally looks like it's in Hershey Park, but it's not. Um, it's a no- it's a knockoff. It's Hers- not a Hershey knockoff Park? thing. It's just that Hershey Park is a. It's like a. Hershey Park is Hershey Entertainment, and Chocolate World is literally the visitor center of Hershey Foods. Is that where they had the tour? Yes, where you could learn you, about the right. chocolate. And you can go on this. Oh, you can go on this, yeah. You can go okay. on this sort of slow, kind of dark ride that takes you through the making of. Does it feel like Willy Wonka? It does. It very much does. That boat ride? Yeah, and and you used to get a free chocolate. Yeah, you still at the do. End. I don't know if they still do they that. See, you still do. Yeah. Everybody yes. gets a free okay. chocolate bar at the end. That's like the Budweiser tour. Yeah. <laughs> so there's another. There's another attraction in there now called uh, oh. 3D Hershey 4D Adventure or something like that. Oh, my God. And they do a similar – it is a similar effect to Turtle Talk with Crush, but instead of, you know, the turtle, it's uh, Reese, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Or yes. Uh, Hershey, the Mr. Hershey Bar, 
or uh, Kiss, who um, a lot of people don't know, but uh, is female. She wasn't always. Oh. <laughs> but, I okay. didn't but Kiss is, is a woman. And uh, and so it's one of the three of them is your host, and I was friends with Reese in that. <gasps> oh, fun! That is so fun. And the the system. So the effect is is the same as Turtle Talk, right? You're you're interacting Magic. live with a with a character on a screen, but the method of production was quite different from how they do it. And I, I won't give a whole lot away, but I'll just say that we were using a system designed by uh, the Jim Henson Company. And, um, oh, my God. It was pretty crazy. I want to go do it. I want to go do it right now. Yeah. It's going to be really hard to do theater stuff for a while. Ugh, yeah. yeah, I bet. You know, because that was another fun, <laughs> like, improvisatory thing, working off of guests and uh, interacting. Well, good transition, actually, because we... We have to mention in this episode a little bit of this the citizens improv. Yes. Straightmosphere. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to a lot of personal experiences because it requires standing in a group, which is one of my pet peeves. Oh my god. Um so Wait, Molly or Cheryl, have either of you ever gotten a ticket from the cop? Have, no, you, have you been thank written goodness. a ticket? Yeah, same. I would uh, have rejected that. I would have gotten kicked out. <laughs> I would have been like, Get your hands off of me! No, it's oh hilarious. Like, no, it's no, the best. He writes it's the, the best. funniest tickets. It's such a fun interaction. Wait, all right, what's an example of a, a ticket? Well, we the the one the two that we got one that we got was uh, something about the stroller parking. So it was like mm-hmm. in, uh, illegal stroller parking or something on the street because we were all just kind of hanging out and oh, we had a stroller. And then the second one I think was something to do with like we were being too rowdy or something. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. Something silly like I that. I saw him stop somebody once, and instead of writing them a ticket, he was, like, doing an investigation. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and so he, he came up to somebody who was like, where have you been? <laughs> just, oh, my God. <laughs> and they were like, uh, well, we just came from our hotel. And they were like, how was it? Oh. Like, it? It was okay. He was like, oh, it was okay. And he was writing, he was like writing down oh in his notebook. Oh, my gosh. You know? And then he's like, he's like, did you get a nap? And they're like, no. He's like, no nap. Hmm. Oh my you know, god! Like, I want that job so bad. Interesting. Oh. Yeah, Ashby, you could do that. That would be so much fun. Any job, any any improvisatory sort of character thing where you can harass people a little bit. Yeah, you can get a, you right. can get away with some stuff. <laughs> is so much fun. Uh, we could harass people so a little bit at the Chocolate World thing, and just a little. There was a little leeway, and and Reese particularly is he's got kind of an attitude, and uh, and mm-hmm. he can. He can jab back a little bit, and that is always so much fun. <laughs> That's so cool. So Holly, so Hollywood. Well, I guess I don't even know. Like, if if we collectively, do we know? Because like, Magic Kingdom has the Main Street, the Citizens. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and then Hollywood Studios has the the. I don't even know. What they're they're called, called Citizens of Hollywood, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and this so this two citizens groups, the, the citizens of Main Street are just that. They're dressed in, like, turn-of-the-century um, garb, and there's a mayor, typically, mm-hmm. walking right. around. Is there, like, a fireman or yep. something? Or am Smokey. I making that up? Chief Smokey. Okay, okay. Oh. Wow, watch out now. Um, and then in the citizens of Hollywood, they're, they're kind of like the thirties and forties, like actors or I guess the police officer. And then, um, like there's a director and a, you know, um, that sort of stuff. They tend to come out on cars Mm -hmm. often. Right. Right. 
Wait, can we, wait, wait for the Main Street crew. Like, who is there? Others? Because there's the mayor and the fire chief, and then are, oh man, there was there? a there was a uh, a character that was there for a long time who's no longer there. Scoop Sanderson, who was his name was Scoop, and so he was the oh town writer. He pin traded. Yep, a lot, he right? was one. He was like a hardcore <laughs> pin trader. He was a highly sought after, and he had a secret wow. collection. He even got a pin that was yep. him. Yeah. Oh, that's several, so cool. Several that were that were of him. Um, Scoop Sanderson. There's uh, a lady called Misunderstanding. Oh my god! Uh, yes. Oh yes. man, who were some of those other characters? There were so many. There was also the saxophone quartet. Oh, I've never. <gasps> oh seen yes, that. yeah, or quintet. I don't remember how many. I've seen were. them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they come out and do little, you know, do little appearances, play songs and stuff. The Dapper Dance. Did they they pair up every now and then, right? With other. Oh yeah. Yeah, because With you groups. know we all live in the same town, so we're right. the barbershop, Main Street USA. Main Street USA. Mm-hmm. So we would have one of the things that I loved about that job is that, and again, this isn't against any other job, but so the Dapper Dan's the training process is probably still to this day the most intense training rehearsal process I've ever been in because wow. you have to. Basically, you start out the first two days of rehearsal, you're starting to kind of work on music. And then after that, it's three weeks and you have to learn three to four songs a day every day. Holy For three weeks straight. Just to get the base number of songs you need in order to be able to be in the group. But then the crazy thing is, is that you keep rehearsing. You were We rehearsed once a week, every week. Uh, there would be a day, so there are two full-time quartets. Uh, they're both on four-day contracts, and so there's one day a week where they overlap. And on that day where they overlap, you'd either do uh, shows or streetmosphere work in the morning, and then you'd rehearse in the afternoon or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so every week we would have rehearsal, and you constantly learn new songs. The, I think by the time I left the group, I could probably do 60 or 70 songs. Holy cow. But there were guys, there were certain combinations of guys that could do like 120 different songs. Wow. Off the cuff, right off the bat, without any sort of thing. They'd they'd say this song, they'd blow the note, and off they go. 120 songs. (gasps) Um, So the cool thing about that job is that even for our show sets, like I talked about earlier, where we go and set up in one place and kind of do a little mini show with some comedy bits and whatever – we would kind of make that up right before we would go out. It would kind of be like, okay, we're going to do this song and that song, and then we're going to do this little comedy bit, and then we're going to do this one and that one. And then that's what we do. And then the next set, it's completely different, and it's whatever you want. And then when we would meet up with those other characters, there were other bits that we would learn and do and rehearse and other songs. Some of those other uh, citizens of Main Street could also sing, so they would just step in and sing with us. Smokey, Chief Smokey would step in and sing bass. Uh, Scoop Sanderson oh would step God. in and sing lead sometimes, oh and so God. it that also was really great because it adds to that feeling of like all of these people live here, we all know each other, and sort of that you know Main Street USA town kind of feel where oh everybody knows the Dapper Dan's and I go and sing with them sometimes and oh my gosh we would you know another special moment is we would often go into the barber shop off of Main mm. Street there and serenade people while they got their hair cut. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, 
that would be a dream come true. I yeah. don't feel like I need to spend more time on Main Street. Yeah, right? there's so there's a lot there's a lot there, and and when you when you get to know some of the little off the round the corner places, you know, one of my favorite little things on Main Street that's a that's a little sort of Easter egg is if you're going down Main Street and you pass, so you're facing the castle and the candy shop is on the right. You know, mm-hmm. and you go past the candy shop, and I think there's one more shop. It might be the the jewelry shop or something else in between. But then there's a little side street that goes off to the right. Yes, yeah. and mm-hmm. in there, mm-hmm. if you hang out in there long enough, you'll hear there's there's. So you guys know about the windows right on Main Street and all yep. of those different yep. businesses and how they've hidden the names of Imagineers and stuff in in the names mm-hmm. of the businesses and mm-hmm. all the stuff. Well, one of the businesses that's in that little side street is like a vo- is like a performer. Academy. Yes. Yes. yes and every yes, once yes. in a while, you'll hear someone getting a voice lesson. And then you'll yep, hear yep, someone yep, yep, taking yep. a tap dance lesson. And it's these really funny sort of interactions where the person's not very good and the teacher is getting frustrated <laughs> and stuff. And, um, but you'll only hear it if you really go back there and kind of hang out for a little bit because it's not on a constant oh, loop. So it's nice. on kind of a delayed loop. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty special place. I, I mean, I know it quite well. I heard that randomly. I can't remember why we were down that street, but we were. I think we bought something at like the little. There's like a little fruit stand mm-hmm. or something right there before you walk back there, and we were just all kind of eating. And I was picking up on it, and I was like, what, "Where is that coming from?" And I look, and there was like a little window. I think it might, I don't remember if it was cracked open or not, but it was. You could hear it coming right. from there, and I saw the 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 title on the window, and I was like, "My yeah. God, Disney knows how to do do it. So good." Yeah. So there's, there's, I could uh, give you a little, I think, I don't think I'm giving anything away. There's sort of a little behind the scenes thing I could share about some of the technical stuff on Main Street that I think would be interesting. I, yeah. I think oh, this, yeah. yeah totally. And we sort of had a running joke about it too in the Dapper Dance. So, so, you know, there's, there's atmos there's a uh, background music uh, playing mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. through all the different mm-hmm. lands. And, you know, Disney's super high tech and, and especially the Magic Kingdom, their audio system there has been legendary throughout the years of how it tracks the parade. They were one of the first people ever to design a parade where the music, because the music's coming from the float, but it's also coming from the speakers on the street and all of it syncs together and tracks. And mm-hmm. all of this is run through a very, it looks like something straight out of a sci-fi movie, the, the audio <laughs> Disney Audio Control Center underneath. It's fairly close to where the castle is in the tunnel system underneath Magic Kingdom. Uh, This huge futuristic room with all of these computers that are buzzing and whirring and beeping and doing all of this stuff to maintain the audio in the park. And when the Dapper Dans go out, we lower the background music in a specific zone where we're going to be, especially if we're going to be on the street... Uh, so that our music can kind of ring out a little bit more mm-hmm. over it. And uh, one of the ways, uh, the way we would do that is it's this automated system that we would call from a phone and enter a code. And then what? there was a series of prompts and we would be able to turn down the music automatically through a phone, even through a cell phone. Oh, my God. Um, that's amazing. That's awesome. So... <laughs> we would always say because it was it was a very simple system it would be like you know press one for zone two or whatever you know and you'd press one and then the music would go down and then you'd call again and hit the button and it would go back up but we were we would always joke about how if the uh if the system got off track and started because sometimes it did 
Uh-oh. <laughs> and it would raise the music in areas, or it would lower <laughs> oh the music God. in other areas across the park that we didn't intend to lower it. <laughs> Hilarious. And we would always say, why did they give us access to this? Like, it's a computer. Right. Why would you grant <laughs> access to the Dapper Dance? Right. We should be able to turn down the music in, in Fantasyland or Tomorrowland. You know? Right. You could have pranked the giggle gang. Oh my gosh, like, I know. Their... Turned it on while they were right. there or turned right. it off mm-hmm. and they didn't want it, you know, yeah. Turn them away. That was definitely like, there was some technician that was like, look, I'm tired of these guys calling and <laughs> right. asking to turn it. Can we just turn this into right. an automated system? Right. right. <laughs> and so we just had access to stuff that we were just like, why do we have access to this? And that's amazing. Yeah, so it was just funny. So that's a little tidbit of how that works. It sounds like a very sophisticated, like, system, obviously, right, with all the syncing and everything. But the phone code feels, yeah, it doesn't feel like. It's like old school, but at the same time, it's still, like, it's pretty cool. Like, you know, and how else, I mean, I'm trying to think how else you would do it to be mobile. Because it was great. We could, you know, somebody could call from their cell phone on the way to the set, and the music would be down by the time we would get there. So well, yeah, and if it's not broke, why fix right. it? Right, right, right. That's awesome. That's it pretty reminds amazing. me of like old school like Apollo missions where you're like, yeah, we went to the moon, but then you think about the technology they're <laughs> right. they're using, you're like, Whoa. right, right. The <laughs> space shuttle that was launched in 2011 was the same space shuttle that they made in 1970. Right. Like, and wild. and yeah. there's there's like literally a hundred times more technology in your cell phone than there was in that <laughs> yeah. entire thing. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was one of the coolest things that I loved about this most recent launch was when they showed the inside uh, of the – and I was like, oh, look at that. It's all just LED screens. It looks so and futuristic. It's so <laughs> it does cool. And even the, the space suits and stuff was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Okay. So I have, I have a question since we're going through the we've, – we've hit Magic Kingdom. We've hit studios a little so bit. So I've got, mm-hmm. I've got an Epcot. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Who's that? Yeah. I, I mean, so, so – one, I was in the the Mexican Pavilion show that happens at Christmas time, where they have all the storytellers telling the different countries mm. Christmas mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. the story that they tell there is the the story of the three kings. Um, oh yeah! Uh, but in this case, it's Los Tres Magos, mm-hmm. and um, I played Balthazar, and that was that was another that was another experience that was incredibly meaningful for both me and other people. Mm. Um, I'm not super religious, but, you know, people, the people who were into it were very into it. And they really appreciated that, that Disney was taking the time to honor that story and to tell it. And again, it was just a moment that we, we could, interact so closely with people and with a story that meant so much to everybody. Um, so that was another really meaningful thing. I only did that one season, but it was a really cool thing. And the costumes for that show, they were very hot um, because they were full on like King costumes uh, with like velvet capes and whatever, but wow. it looked incredible. And um, it was just a really powerful moment. And I, I appreciate that that time at Epcot where they, um, and again, it's been a while, so I don't know if they're still doing it, but, but all of those little mini shows that would happen in out, outside at the different pavilions, telling the different Christmas stories from the different lands. It was it's such a super special thing. It, I loved that as well. Um, Cheryl, you've probably been to Epcot 
the most often around the holidays i would say yeah. of this group would is does that still go on do they still yeah, do the festival of the holidays yeah oh, it's course. literally a festival amazing okay. of course oh, it is can they make money on it sure <laughs> sure they're gonna have it it is really magical i know my grandma really loved it and that was one of the few things we actually went to every country and stopped and listened mm. to like how they celebrate their holidays or where they mm-hmm. originated from and it was it's magical um and i would i would i don't know if it actually is structured differently but would you count um performances in countries as streetmosphere or is it a little or is it more like a show yeah i'm not sure it kind of i feel like it's a weird gray area because it has sort of the feel of a streetmosphere because of how intimate the experience is Mm -hmm. but it is sort of also a show because it's in one place it doesn't really move um and it's also not i guess it's also not like they're trying to give the suggestion that it's kind of a gray area as to like where these people live you know yeah um internally we're referred to as storytellers so so that's kind of the 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 lens through which we we viewed that as performers and actors is that we are telling the story of a particular country but you know it's still a full-on very realistic kind of kind of thing so i don't know i don't know if it's streetmosphere or not and this is non-holiday related but like i'm sure he has a name i could look it up the guy in italy who like kicks the soccer ball around with a whistle mm-hmm. like is he considered streetmosphere actually let me pull him up I fe- well there's that and then the chair the chair stacking guy yep. yeah, his name drummers. is sergio i would say yes because the whole point of their existence is to bring the atmosphere to life yeah. great point actually maybe more important in Epcot sometimes. Well, and like in the entertainment world, I think it's like typically divided up that way, right? Like you have like atmosphere entertainment, character performers, right. theater, sh- you know, that kind of thing. So I feel like they would it fall falls under that. that. Yeah, I think it falls under that umbrella. Um, all right. As I'm looking at the Streetmosphere list, I want to hear from the crowd here. Would you guys consider the trolley show at Magic Kingdom to be Streetmosphere or is that just a show? That's interesting. I don't know. It's listed officially mm. as Streetmosphere. I'm going to vote not Streetmosphere. I think that there needs to be the huge heading of Streetmosphere, and then there's buckets. So then there's, like, the performances, and then, like, the festivals. But yes, because it, like, adds to the feel, right? Yeah, and, and their costumes and stuff were were tuned to Main Street, USA. That I think true. that those are supposed to be, you know, other citizens who live in they're the like, town who are doing, I don't know. They're like the kind of the weird ones because they don't ever talk. Right. They just <laughs> right, right. mime to a recorded a, Yeah, track. it kind of, it kind of fits, in a, it fits in a gray area there. It does. I feel like any of those kind of groups would probably be classified as streetmosphere because they just add to yeah, a little bit of the it. immersion. Like I, I was, you mentioned earlier the Jamiters at Epcot. I love them. Not necessarily adding to the story, because, like, where do they fit into Future World? Well, what is uh, the story of Future World? <laughs> right? I, that's true, too. Yeah. That's another episode. But I still would consider them Streetmosphere, because it's like a cool little performance. Yeah. It's like when you're walking down the street in a major city. Right. You know, you run yeah. across people who are performing like, on like, the street. Like oh, Buskers, absolutely. you know, is another. That's mm. what you would, would consider it if you're not in a theme park. Totally. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Ashby, you said you went to Tokyo, right? Yes, Has anybody yes. else in the group? No. no. Um, there was a great Streetmosphere show there called Kitchen Beat. 
it's not there anymore. I was actually there for its mm. last performance. I was there. Oh, wow. Um, but it was another kind of Jammeters style show, so it's kind of a Stomp-esque thing. But it was three percussionists, and they were all chefs. And so they would come out and do a funny routine with pots and pans and stuff. And there was – so the one chef is Sugar. The other chef is, is named Spice. And then there's like a head chef who's just <laughs> chef. So it's Sugar, Spice, and Chef. And they all have these chef hats on, and they're really funny. And uh, they would bring in some of the most incredible percussionists. Uh, those were all foreign hires. So they would hire from the United States and Australia and all over the place. And, oh, my gosh, that was one of my favorite Streetmosphere shows ever um, anywhere because of... What was it called? It was called Kitchen Beat. Kitchen Beat. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, it was it, it cool. was fantastic. Yeah. They It was the same kind of thing as, like, Dapper Dan's where they would interact with the crowd. They would have sort of a a set kind of show, but they could, they could improvise. And all of those guys had to really learn Japanese... So it was super impressive to see the new guys come in and then go through their rehearsal process and come out um, Mm -hmm. with, you know, it's not like you can come out and you're fluent, but they have to have like their jokes and they have to know some standard responses and things to say in Japanese so that they're, you know, ready to go and ready to be funny and stuff. And they were all just so good. I might have missed it or maybe we didn't go over it, but you said your last thing you did was the Disney Cruise contract. and. Were you doing anything before all this craziness kicked in? Yeah, so I literally got off. I, got, I literally got off the ship. My contract ended on March 9th. <gasps> oh wow! Three oh. days later, I think was when the decision was made to not let people off <laughs> the ships. Yeah. Which which uh, ship? Were so you I was on? on the Disney Dream, um, which was incredible. Um, you know, that was a whole other. Oh, my gosh. Well, and I was going to ask you, because, like, I've talked to a few entertainers that have been on the cruise ships, and hearing there just a little bit about the the operation, because on the cruise ships, there isn't necessarily the, uh, like, like on land, where it's like, you are a character performer, you are a stage performer, like, it's a mix of all the worlds when you're on the cruise line, right? Yeah, and so, like, you know, I I was a a lead performer, um, and because of the way the the shows are styled and presented there, you know, I can say that I played Cogsworth in the, uh, Mm -hmm. their newest production that's the Beauty and the Beast thing. If you have or have not seen clips of that, go to YouTube. I think you can watch the whole show. The, The YouTube stuff doesn't do it justice, but it is, and and you know, of course, I'm going to say this because I was in the show and whatever. But I, I'm as unbiased as I can say, it is the most incredible show that Disney Live Entertainment is producing anywhere in the world right now. I've heard that about the Beauty and the Beast show on the cruise line yeah. that it's just like you can't wrap your head around it is how amazing it insane is. in every way. It is super high tech. And they they go out of their way to hire really really incredible performers, and um, I know that I'm that's kind of me bragging about myself, but I'm bragging about <laughs> I'm bragging Do about it. bragging about the cast that I worked with. I I you know I've worked with many 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 different people throughout the years. I have never worked with a cast that was collectively as incredible as that cast was. 
Um, that's awesome. And uh, but anyway, and is that that's is that the that's the newest that show? That is they the newest the cruises, yeah? Disney Cruise yeah. Line yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have either of you seen that, uh, Cheryl? No. no, the newest one I saw was the Tangled mm. show. I, I I haven't been back to the cruise to see the Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but so so you know like like you do that and and you're you're on main stage shows every night on the dream it is literally every night except one mm-hmm. um but then i was also and, i was and, also and a that, character and creator in, <laughs> and that includes like because that's not just beauty and the beast right that's oh right there's there's the three, there's three well. main stage shows. Right. there's beauty and the beast um oh my gosh the golden mickeys which is like oh, the golden mm-hmm. right so people know Beautiful. that one and then uh believe uh which nice. which is, is that josh groban themed <laughs> He's not real. I'm crossing no, my fingers. No, Molly, so and how dare you bring that no. up? I've never been on the cruise, so I oh, don't really? Know. Oh my god! I, I, if you're, so I funny. highly recommend the cruise if you're a hardcore Disney fan because I feel like yeah. that is the target audience for Disney cruises. Yes, yeah, yeah, they, it works. <laughs> Disney, Disney Cruise Line is for everybody. I mean, it doesn't matter, sure. but I feel like their target. Are like Disney super fans. What I yeah. what I said mm-hmm. about the Dream particularly because the Dream was the one that did the really quick three and four day cruises to the Bahamas, and yeah. they pack so much into those three and four days that it's it's literally like a Disney nuclear bomb in your face. Oh my god! Yeah. Which is literally <laughs> the theme of my birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> so like, wow! If you're really hardcore into Disney stuff, you got to check out a cruise because that's it is. I still I can't believe Molly hasn't been on yeah. a cruise. I don't. I, I it's, I'm blown it's away by this. All, well, I, should yeah. we? I mean. If there are cruises, I guess. 2022. Um, I feel like the podcast has to go on a cruise together. Yeah, I mean, for all, sure. Yeah. Of we need all to make that audiences. happen. Jared, yes. Yeah. Yes. Or yes. you'll yes. be performing yes. on one, hopefully. That would be amazing. Yeah. Join right. us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Fun. So that's, go, sorry, we keep interrupting and going off on tangents. So you were in the middle of, like, you do the three shows. Right. But then I was also a then... character greeter. You know? Right. Yeah, that's insane. So it was crazy. And that was every day as well. Um, almost every day except two. So, but that was up to seven hours a week in addition to being a performer. And then, you know, this is such an overlooked thing, but I was also an assembly station leader, which oh, wow. oh, right. is yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. It is the most insane <laughs> thing. The training and the process that you have to go through to be a certified safety officer on a cruise ship. It's a lot of pressure. It's crazy pressure. Like. It's crazy. Wow. And it was was that a was that a position that was you were able to like say I'll I'll do that or they say no, no you're you going have to. to do that in addition to your you position to. that you have. Yeah. You have to. There's no space because, for because the reason that people. that and what's crazy is that most people in other departments, so like on the cruise ship in general, most people are never assigned safety duties for a, for a year uh, for their mm. first year on the cruise ship because it is mm-hmm. such a you're getting used to living at sea and all of that other stuff that goes along with that and doing your job on a cruise ship, adding in safety duties is nuts. But we get thrown into not only a safety duty, but a leadership position right away because we're performers and we have really good communication skills. And that's like part of the requirement. Um, A lot of people that work on cruise ships are not from the United States and it's no different mm-hmm. on Disney cruise ships. I think Disney does a fantastic right. job of treating their employees well, you know, as far as all of that goes. But 
their English isn't necessarily going to be their first language. And when you're in an emergency situation, communicating with people who are panicked, most of whom speak English. Kind of, kind of important. You, you, yeah. you need people to be in positions, leadership positions, who have a command of, of the language and have the ability to sort of be in front of people, you know? Yeah. So, but it's super intense. I mean, it's like, so, you know, you're going through rehearsals, which are intense by themselves, but they were wonderful, actually. That, that was the best Disney rehearsal process I've ever been through in my life. Um, rehearsals take place in Toronto. They put you up in these amazing luxury apartments right downtown Toronto that are right across the street oh, from cool. this incredible state-of-the-art rehearsal facility. It's wonderful. But anyway, you're in the midst of all of your, you know, doing what you do as a performer and rehearsing shows. And then towards the end of the rehearsal process, they're like, okay, it's time for your safety training. And you go through like days and days and days and hours and hours of training and tests and all of this stuff. And so you you get a real uh, inside respect for what it's like to be a flight attendant, what it's like to be anybody (laughs) that has this. Because like... Flying is so safe that people forget that a flight attendant's first job is safety. Right. They're not there to give you a drink. They're not there to serve you drinks. They're actually there to to save save your life. Exactly. (laughs) Right. That is why they're there. Cheers to the flight attendants. But it's so safe that, you know, they can serve drinks and stuff. also can (laughs) make you a cocktail. But, like, if something goes wrong, you really are going to need them. And it's the same with us as assembly station leaders. It's like... Cruising is super safe, and there is no safer company than Disney, for sure. And, you know, even though I've only done one contract, I got to know a lot of the engineers and the mechanical people and people that worked on the real workings of the ship. And all of them had worked for other companies, and they're like, there is no comparison to the preventative maintenance and the budgets and all of that stuff that Disney puts into safety. Um, And you can just see it. You can you can just see it, especially when you work there. Looping back to the performer. So what if you're in the middle of Beauty and the Beast? You are Cogsworth. I can only imagine what that costume looks like. Like it's well. So so uh, just a little bit there. Those the enchanted objects are puppets. Mm -hmm. So but it's that style that Finding Nemo is done in where the actor is still Mm -hmm. visible. Mm -hmm. But so our costumes are these incredibly elaborate period costumes. Uh, But then we operate. A puppet. So you're also a puppeteer oh, yes. <laughs> on top of yeah. this, which is its own art. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Right. So, yeah, and there's some pretty crazy puppeteering stuff that happens with those characters and things that I, they have to do. I feel like I want to just send money to cruise line workers <laughs> right now. Like, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know how to. Th- how to express my gratitude i guess by going on yeah, go, go on a cruise, cruise. Molly. go on a cruise and see what they do it's an incredible disney you know disney has such a high bar to live up to in general with anything that they produce and the fact that they can not only meet their own bar but exceed oh, it sure. on a floating vessel it's absolutely fascinating and i it was it was literally one of the toughest contracts i've ever done I'm actually uncertain about whether I would do it again uh, because I am towards the older side for doing that kind of life. And I don't know mm. that, that the life is for me, but it was an incredibly fascinating look at how Disney produces their product in that environment. And they don't just do it. They blow it out of the water, quite literally. Okay. And had you, Jared, had you been on a cruise before? I mean, I had been on Disney? a cruise, but not a Disney cruise. 
Okay, you know? so you wow. hadn't even experienced. No. Yeah, that's crazy. No. Now, yeah, they are they are the best. Yeah. Is there streetmosphere on a Disney Cruise Line? <laughs> in the well, in the kind we, of terms yeah, we're we talking actually about? yes. There's a few little things. There's not oh. nearly as much because again, you have a limited supply of people. Yeah. But for Christmas, there were some carolers that would appear at various points mm-hmm. around the ship. So that's kind of like a streetmosphere thing. Um, and of course, the 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 characters are oh, sure. just all over the ship. And that's one of the coolest things, honestly, is that they they really do. Mickey lives on the ship and 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 he's always talking to the captain and he's running here and doing there. And you see Goofy jogging on the exercise deck. <laughs> and at any random time, there are tons of unscheduled, unannounced. They're not unscheduled. <laughs> they're unannounced. Right. Un- unannounced um, moments where the characters are just living their life on the ship, Amazing. you know, and that is mm-hmm. really cool. The The coolest character interactions you're ever going to have are going to be on a Disney Cruise Line ship, I think. So what's Jared, what's the what's the future look like? Uh, do you have anything lined up? Do you know what oh, you're... Oh, I thought you tra- meant like philosophically. I was like, we need to... I need to take a bathroom break if Cruising we're going Cruising 2022. <laughs> Ten years. <laughs> um, there's there's nothing official lined up right now. I'm like many, many mm-hmm. other people in the entertainment industry that are... That's of just course. It. It's all a full stop. Um, yeah. My dream is to return to Tokyo. Uh, oh, really? Yes. I was there for four years. Um, I was there for one year. Uh, for so they're the at Big Band beat their six month contracts. So I did two contracts, then mm, I came back mm-hmm. and was in Florida and subbed and kind of did some other things for a while. And then I went back out there for three years straight. Oh um, gosh, so cool. I loved it out there. I actually think, well, no, I know that that is where I want to go to live for the rest of my life. When oh, that's so cool. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know know that I'll be able to work at Disney for the rest of my life, but I want to go live in Japan and, and I would love to go back to Tokyo Disney for a while. Um, just cause, you know, um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tokyo is just such a beautiful, and the it's people incredible. are amazing there. It's just yeah. incredible. That's awesome. It should be, in my opinion on, it should be the first international park on people's lists. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Did you, um, while you were out there, did you make it to uh, Shanghai or Hong Kong? I didn't. I didn't. I there were there were people that people that did that a lot, um, and I I kind of regret that a little bit. But at the same time, I was just really kind of obsessed with Japan. So when I had free time, I would (laughs) travel in Japan. There you Um, go. I went to USJ a bunch, and um, and then just all over. I went all the way up to the northern island of hokkaido and skied there for five days at uh, one point and then oh my um gosh, cool nice you know uh yeah just all over kyoto and um and tokyo itself i mean the, the one of the many nicknames of tokyo is called the infinite city and <laughs> yeah and it really is it lives up to it it really feels mm-hmm. like it's this infinite sprawling space where you can wow. just go and it doesn't matter how many times you go there's literally always some new place you can go there's some new weird shop to visit or a crazy ramen <laughs> restaurant that's down a dark alley and a dark set of stairs. And then there's this amazing Perfect. ramen restaurant. And yeah. so you can spend a lifetime just exploring Tokyo by yourself. And that's, that's what now, I did. I ha- the, the only question I ask is, did you go to the robot battle in Tokyo? The, the battle? No. Like, like the, the, but show. the show? The robot, the robot restaurant? Battle. 
many yeah. times. Okay, it great, is... great, perfect. <laughs> I don't even it, – it's beyond words. You can't even it's describe beyond it. words. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be like – you know, it's one of those things that's like really cheesy and, you know, kind of uh, touristy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, it's yep. worth it. And I went multiple times just because I wanted to go multiple times. <laughs> and then when I would have that's friends so that would visit – They'd be like, oh, I heard about this robot thing, but isn't it really touristy? I'm like, yes, and we're going. Right. And you, yeah. <laughs> you have to go, yeah. <laughs> yes. Be- well, I guess the good news is about you not going to Hong Kong yet is that they're doing a lot of stuff. So when you do eventually make it back out to Tokyo, yeah. Hong Kong should all right. be done, and you can go and see the new Hong Kong Disney yeah. that Frozen lands and stuff. Yeah. yeah and definitely, you know, when you get a chance, go to Shanghai. Oh, I know. It's a whole different world, but that park is... Uh, beautiful absolutely yeah oh i mean this has been such a pleasure absolutely yeah this has been great uh-huh i feel like i've learned so much yes and just been thoroughly entertained me cool i've learned so much and it's been so entertaining yeah a lot of this is really this fun. Is great i'm i'm really glad you guys had me on this was fun thank you so much well I, the one thing i did want to just bring up because I, I personally feel that I'm noticing a, a, a downward trend in street sphere yes. usage. I don't know if that's just no, me or... it's true. Like budget cuts Yeah, sort of stuff. it's just... Yeah. And I, I, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning. Like, I felt, I felt that most when we were doing the Pandora Project and we were talking about inserting Streetmosphere into that land, which, because Pandora was talked about as like, we're going to make it the most immersive thing you've ever done you know, in any of our parks ever. And then it was like, okay, cool. So one of the most immersive things you can do is put Streetmosphere in. And they're like, uh, well. They're like mountains, they float. <laughs> yeah. So it, when that happened, I was like, ouch. Okay, so it's not as a high priority to whoever those people were. But what I'm going to is that I was really happy to see when Star Wars opened up you see a little bit of that. I don't know if there's any official streetmosphere, but you f- you feel it because at least the characters are going right. around. That's a good. We didn't even mention Star. Yeah, and that's I, crazy. They cut they cut a lot. I think of what was planned for Galaxy's Edge. Mm, um, right. But you're right. Um, Batu feels very much alive in the same way Main Street USA does because of the residents, right? Like all. Yeah. Even just the um, your standard cast member is very very immersed. Right, in their and I think that makes a huge difference. The, Absolutely. When, when uh, the right, like you said, just the general cast members working in the area are also very much committed to the story. Yes. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's acts huge. like yeah. its own street atmosphere. And yeah. I think that's that's part of where we're probably getting into the weeds that. Maybe people won't appreciate me saying this. But, like, you know, in Pandora, that was a big topic. was like, well, the cast members, because we ended up creating a training program for every cast member to go Mm. through because they were essentially moving to the moon of Pandora. So they need to learn all about it. The language, the plants, the animals, the everything. And so it felt a little bit like they're like, oh, well, this is enough to make it immersive. And I agree. I don't disagree. But I feel like the icing on the cake is to have streetmosphere performers because it's a skill that not everybody, not your everyday Joe Schroeder cast member can live up to, right? 
Yeah. And, yeah. But again, it's, I think the reason that it's tough and the reason that there's sort of a, a general downward trend and it's everywhere. I mean, it's even in Tokyo and they have huge budgets there. Um, mm-hmm. Not that Florida or California doesn't, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, yeah. it's very hard to justify, you know, it's crazy when you see some of the budgets for Streetmosphere shows and you're just like, you know, right. <laughs> oh, that, you know, it costs... Ten million dollars a year to have a, now that's an exaggerated figure, but it's it's stuff like that where it's like it's ten million dollars well, a year to have number. four guys like, singing on a street corner, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that like anybody that's looking at it on paper goes, oh, that big right. number, yeah, just wipe that out. We right. don't need that because yeah. because again, even even any any show that's in a theater, they can at least count the people. It's hard to justify live entertainment, period. Right. But at yeah. least yeah. in a show yeah. where there's a thing, they can say, okay, this gets viewed whatever 10,000 times a day on a full day yeah. or 20,000 mm-hmm. times a day mm-hmm. on a full day. Um, and those are numbers. And I actually heard about some of the surveying that they were doing behind the scenes with guests that experienced the Lion King show. Um, and one of the reasons that Lion King has been around for as long as it's been and it, it's continuing to be around and they moved the theater is that that show by itself causes guests to rate their overall Disney experience a minimum of fifteen to twenty percent higher by just I mean, I'm seeing that show. Cry. Yeah. Oh. 100%. So yeah. so like like yeah. they figured that out through uh, through their their uh, surveys. It was like there was this yeah. one thing, and the one thing was, did you see the Lion King show? So like that can help them justify moving the theater mm-hmm. and keeping it around right. and paying all the people that need to be paid to do it. But you can't generate data like that from Streetmosphere. A street show. Sure. That's true. That's true. All right. So the message at the end of here is, yes. one, for those executives that listen to our podcast, right. we know you're several. listening. Yeah. You're there. Several. Hello. Streetmosphere is important. Yeah. And everyone has a connection to it when they go. No matter – even if they're like Molly and Cheryl and they don't yes. want to stop – they still connect to it. 100%. Yeah. It plays a role. S- second of all, if you're just a regular guest, which is our, the rest of our listeners, yes. when you get stopped to do that random survey, don't forget about that yes. Streetmosphere show that you saw. Yes. Mention it yeah. because it's important to let them know how important it was to you yeah. during your yes. visit. Yes, it goes a long way. Those surveys, I don't think, I don't even know if everybody understands how important those surveys are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah, that. Yeah, what was good. crazy on the cruise ship? They did a phenomenal job. I couldn't believe if a guest commented about you specifically, you found out the next day. Oh, oh my gosh! So, that is so, so, good. so the the uh, if it was good and if it was bad, you also found out the next day. <laughs> but but it was like right away the specific guest like. Their comment about you got to you the the day after they got off the ship, and they took that stuff really seriously, like yeah. deadly seriously. Um, yeah, and it's you know it's funny because like normally if I'm in a park and I see a survey cast member, I'm like, let me figure out the easiest way <laughs> right? to get around me this too. person. Don't make eye contact. Yeah. Like keep going. But when I go on a cruise line, and at the end of every cruise, you have mm-hmm. that survey that you have. You, I mean, you don't have to but like you feel like you have to fill it out otherwise they're not gonna let you off the ship it it almost like 
puts a little button at the end of it of like, we want to make sure that you had the best yeah. time that you had ever. And, and the reason we're, we're, we're thinking that is because we want you to fill this survey out. And it feels like they take it they seriously. They really do. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. As somebody who's been in there, yeah. those surveys are so serious. There are things that, 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 that a single comment will change some huge thing oh, like within awesome. the week. That's you know? amazing. So take the survey. Yeah, so take the survey. Yeah, take take the survey everywhere, you know, Disney. And I, th- I think that's where, like, when we're out and about at a park, it doesn't have that. It doesn't that, feel that the same. Ser- yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have that same feeling. And so you just like, I'm just going to avoid it. But it helps. And yeah. and I know people are always like, well, what am I going to get for doing this? And it's like, well, you'll get a better exactly. visit if you do. <laughs> you you know, could like, actually yeah. end up getting exactly what you want. I mean, like, exactly. like seriously. Right. Next time. Mm-hmm. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah. So mention the Dapper Dance. Mention the Dapper Dance. Mention the Dapper Dance. Yeah. And well, thank you so much, Jared. It's been so fun. Yeah, this has been great. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I feel like if we've done our job correctly today, you you, the listener, could be listening to this walking down the street, and this podcast could be a version of Streetmosphere. Mm. Oh, right? Look at you. Right? And with that, I'm going to do a tap dance. All right. That's All it. Right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>